Welcome to the Real Estate Woman's Podcast. Thanks for pulling up a chair to our roundtable discussion. Here, we'll teach you how you can create a stream of passive income through multifamily investing, and we'll help you to shift your mindset so you can start living the life you really want to be living by design today. Hello, we're the Real Estate Women. I'm Colleen. I'm Tamara. I'm Crystal. And I'm Candy. Welcome to the Real Estate Women Passive Investing Podcast. Today on this episode, we have something that's really important in any any type of deal, and that is we have someone here that helps execute the business plan to make sure it runs smoothly. And what is that? That is the asset management piece of, of any multifamily deal. <laughs> Well, we have Cindy Harding here, who is an expert in the field to help us out on that. Welcome, Cindy. Great to have you here. Oh, thank you so much. I love talking asset management, so I'm always ready. So thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks for being here, Cindy. I'd like to introduce you. Um, Cindy Harding is a former owner of her own accounting and tax preparation practice, specializing in understanding profit and loss asset retention and management, as well as compliance with state and federal tax regulation, helping her guide her clients to improved business practices, performance, and management. She currently is asset managing several multifamily properties. Cindy is the asset manager and co-majority owner of Outlaws Capital Partners, LLC, as well as a sole owner of High Caliber Asset Management, LLC. So we'd like to dive right in. What is asset management, Cindy? Asset management. Well, actually, we watch the numbers. That is our job. So when you buy a property and you have invested in it, so you are a passive investor, you've put your money into this uh, property, and the person that invited you in or that you learned about it from has a business plan. So they have bought this property, and there is a business plan of how they're going to make money and how this property is going to be able to fall, you know, work in your portfolio. So in between who has found the deal and who's underwritten it and executed it, now you have an asset manager and that's the person that watches the numbers. So every week I meet with the property management company to see where are we at with our occupancy, where are we at with our expenses, our maintenance, and really get a good feel of what's going on at the property. And then every month I look at the financials, what money came in, what money went out, and what money is going to be sent to the investor. Awesome. Nice. You know, and it's it's funny, as Tamara um, or Candy mentioned, like when it comes to a property, one of the a large multifamily property that you know investors are going to be putting their money into, it's super important. You know, they in the front end, they always hear about this big elaborate business plan, but mm-hmm. it kind of gets um, I feel that a lot of people don't really know who it is that there's like kind of one person on the team that, I mean, everyone kind of handles, but there's usually one person that's really the one that's in touch with that property manager and they're responsible for making sure that business plan is um, executed, like they said. Um, but now that being said, most properties do have that property manager and you as the asset manager, what is kind of your relationship with that property manager? What are your roles versus their roles or what is it that you um, the biggest, most important thing that you do and you deal with when you're talking to that property manager every week? So I view my role as a liaison between the GP, which is the general partners, and the property management. 
So I look at their business plan. I understand what they're wanting the property to do. And then I work with the property management company to make sure that's what we're doing. So I will work with them to create a budget so we know how much we're expecting to spend, what we're wanting rents to be pushed to. Um, I help them as we create that in conjunction with looking at the business plan. And then I meet with them to understand where are we in the process. So do we have uh, the vacancy? Do we have the occupancy? Are we pushing the rents to where we need to be? And then the other part is most of the properties are value add. So a value adds a property that you're going to buy and you're going to do things to increase the value. So you're going to upgrade units. You're going to do some CapEx exterior. You might paint or you might do landscaping or a combination of things. And so the job of the asset manager is to make sure that we are upgrading units and that we are doing the landscaping, we are painting. And there's more to that than just making sure it's getting done. We want three bids. We want to make sure that it's in the amount that we've set aside to do because when we do the capital raise, we're looking at that and we know this is how much we're willing to spend on the landscaping. And this is how much we're willing to spend on the unit upgrades. So it's important to make sure that kind of holding the property management's feet to the fire because we want to stay within that uh, parameters that we've set. So I get three bids and then I talk with the property management and say, you know, which which vendor do you like? Have you had experience with them? It's not always the cheapest. That's really important to think of that when you're looking at improvements you're going to make. Uh, cheapest is not necessarily the best. What we want to do is see who's going to do the scope of work that we need done and what is their track record and are we going to be able to get it done in a timely manner. Uh, you have a couple of people that you kind of consider your boss. So the GPs are like a boss because they're the ones that own the property and they've come up with the business plan. Property management, we work with them to make sure it's getting done. But the third one, well, I'll say the third are the investors because we want to make sure that we're hitting those benchmarks for them. That we're, if we have a preferred return, that we're being able to meet that by the end of the year. But the other one is the lender. Actually, they have invested the most in the property because mm -hmm. they're the ones that put up that money. And so you want to make sure that you're hitting those marks with the vendor. Oftentimes, they will have certain things that need to be done mm -hmm. in a time period. So they might have things that are considered uh, dangerous for life, like a sidewalk that's busted. Or if mm -hmm. you have, um, we have a property that has a lagoon and that needs to be fenced because that could be a life-threatening. So anything that is uh, a danger to life, they're going to have you do usually within 90 days. So you have to get that done. Sometimes they actually hold the funds on that. So you have to get that done and then you submit it and then they release the money to it. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. It just depends on the lender and how, how much needs to be done extensively. So, but that's someone that you want to make sure that you are, you know, taking care of what they want done on the property. And the other thing with the lender is every quarter we send them the T12, which is basically the financials and the rent roll. So they can look and see how are we progressing? Are we doing the things that we had set out to do? What is our vacancy looking like? So when you're investing in a property, you need to know that there are at least three people 
that are watching your investment. You have the mm -hmm. lender, you have your GP, which is the owners, and then you have your asset manager. So three different sets are looking at your investment to make sure that it's uh, moving forward in the way that you had intended. Well, that's great, Cindy. I, I love the way that you broke it down. And it, and for our listeners, it, it's very much like um, on, a, on a bigger scale, it, let's just say you're going to be renovating your personal home and you have the electrician, the plumber, let's just say it's a bathroom or a kitchen where you have various different tradesmen come in or tradeswomen to do the project and you're coordinating with the property management that's coordinating the subcontractors but you're making sure that they're also doing their job efficiently and watching the numbers at the same time. So are you also visiting the property and inspecting or are you just, are you, um, how do you do that? Do you do it remotely? Do you do it um, with visual inspections in addition to looking at the numbers? A little bit of both. So if it's, I try to go to the property at least twice a year. So it depends okay. on the GP. If they have someone that is there in the area, then I'll coordinate with them to tell them this is the scope. This is what we expect. We'll do a FaceTime or do a Zoom to see where we are. But I go to the property myself at least once a year where I go and I'll do a lease audit. So I will look at the leases to make sure uh, that what we have in the lease is actually what we're charging. And one of the, I can give you an example. We had a property that we, uh, change property management companies. So we had one property management company that was taking care of the property. We weren't super happy with them and we decided to switch. So I actually went to the property to be there when we did the switch and I was looking at the leases and they had a pet addendum that was in the lease which allowed them, the resident had signed saying, yes, I have a pet and I know I need to pay $25 a month for my pet. Guess what? they were not charging pet rent. So that's money that's just going out the door. So part of the lease audit is to look to make sure what we uh, are the, what the residents have assigned and agreed to that they're actually being charged. The other thing is I do look to make sure that it's within the metrics of what we're looking for for residents. So I did a lease audit on a property that we were looking to purchase, which is something people think of the asset manager taking kind of possession or being responsible when you buy it. But the asset manager is actually an important part when you're looking at the property because mm -hmm. they're the ones that are going to have to say, yes, we can push the rents to this amount. I do my own market survey when I take over a property. I look to see, you know, what what, what are the rents going to be? Uh, how What are they charging for? What are the residents expecting for amenities? So I look at all of that to make sure it's going to work for the business plan that will be able to charge that. And I was at one property, we were considering purchasing it and I found felonies like on, in the leases, you know, they had run a background check. Well, we, you know, that isn't really acceptable. I guess there are some felonies that you might, but domestic violence is not one, like that's not gonna be a resident. So, you know, we set up those parameters of what we are looking for in our residents because we wanna provide a place that is safe and secure and beautiful. Nice. So um, that being said, like you said, you set that up. Um, do you, as the asset manager, 
Um, cause obviously, as you mentioned, you know, not all property managers are created equal and you are the one there, um, holding them responsible to making sure they're doing their part. Do you, um, have like your own set of like qualification standards that you have and you give every property manager. And um, if you could just elaborate a little bit more on something that you mentioned, the um, the rent audits and the, um, that market research, that's something that I feel a lot of passive investors are not really aware how important that really is. Because um, sometimes you'll, you know, you'll see this beautiful opportunity to invest it and they say, well, we can get, we can double the rents and we can get these rents to 1500 and really they're only at 800 now. Well, who checked that? And is that realistic? If you could um, just kind of tell our listeners how important that is and how important that is to do often to make sure that only it's realistic, but that you're not losing out um, on the month to month. Yeah, it actually is kind of a double-edged sword because you want to make sure that you're in that sweet spot. So one of the things that I look at when I'm looking at a property is where are we in the market? So that's why we call it a market survey. There's a couple of ways you can do it. There's a CoStar report that you can look at. Mm -hmm. But honestly, we call, I have a, a spreadsheet where I will pick five or six uh, properties that are close to the asset that are similar as far as amenities and close to the same age. Um, excuse me. And I'll just call them and say, you know, how much are you charging per square foot? How much, you know, what are you providing? Uh, do you charge for cable? I'll ask all those questions. I have a whole spreadsheet. And so when I find out, then that lets me know when I'm looking at a property, if they say, Hey, we can raise the rents. Well, I need to know, like, are we at the top? Um, when you're looking at a property and they're at the top of it, oh, that's really hard to push the rents. We did uh, take over a property where we were the cheapest in town, absolutely the cheapest in town. The owner had not raised rents for three years. Um, and so, and this was just last year that we purchased it. So he was really behind in rents. So we could raise the rent $150 on just a renewal. That was a legitimate, this is going to work, but I wanted to see that. So it's one thing to have someone tell you. And, you know, when people are saying, oh, we can do this, you need to trust, but verify. So mm -hmm. I did some market survey and I'm like, yes, we can raise it $150. Uh, and then when we upgrade the units, we actually are raising them 300 because when the upgrades that we budgeted for when we purchased it was to do flooring, appliances, paint, and uh, an LED package. So we, we set that up so that we knew we could really push it. And even at $300, we are not top of the market. So you do rely on your property management company to help you to kind of, they give you some guidelines, but I definitely do my own research and I wanna make sure that we can execute that business plan. How do you go about finding the um, the contractors? I mean, I know you're working with the property management company, but do you actually also do some surveying yourself of, of contractors through the the, the company the um, the um, comparables that you're calling to see about the rents? Do you ask them who they use, or how do you go about finding your contractors for these? So typically, how we do contractors is we do uh, rely on the property management. So, for example. Uh, we're putting in a playground at one of our properties, one of the really big playgrounds. And so we did rely on the property management to get us three bids. Um, but 
we have an asset management team. So I have a couple of people that I work with that are actually uh, passive investors, but are very interested in understanding multifamily and how that works. So they're on this asset management team. Um, and so what we do is someone said, hey, you know what? I, I'm not comfortable with that. I think I think we can get a better price. So they took it on and they started doing research. Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the properties that we purchased was actually three assets and so we had a huge capex because we were it, we were going to raise the rents we were doing exterior um, and we had lined up some landscaping so if you think about it it was over 250 units between three properties and the landscaping bids that we got were all around a hundred thousand a varied a little bit you know between the three vendors but collectively as a GP and as the asset management team, we're like, that just seems ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And so someone on the team said, you know what, I'm going to start making phone calls. And so they started calling around. So we do rely on the property management, but we also will do it ourselves. You know, you, you have to look at it and say, mm -hmm. can we get this cheaper? Maybe, maybe not. It's really, I feel like it's our financial responsibility as the asset manager to make sure, you know, that it is in the right realm of the fee. And so we actually, with the landscaping, we found someone who did it about three-fourths of the price, which doesn't, you know, is 75%. When you're talking about 100000 it was <laughs> 75000 So we saved $25,000. So our investors are happy with that. Right. And it's worth the time you know, that you just call around, talk to people and see. And then what we would do is coordinate it with our uh, property management for them to come out. We'd be like, hey, someone's coming out. They're going to take a look at it. And I know for me, the property management companies that I work with, they aren't offended or it doesn't bother them if we say, hey, we're going to get a couple extra bids. It's nothing with them personally. And honestly, our on-site I want her or him to be focused on uh, heads and beds. You know, we want to make sure that we got the, we have the units being rented. If I have someone that's willing to call around to find out about a playground, I would rather the leasing agent or the onsite spend their time talking to people, giving tours, and we can do it on the back end. We want to make sure we're doing the very best with the monies that we have to represent our investors and to help protect their monies. So I have a question. So I have a question about like part of like the bottom line, like how detailed, like say, for example, just one example, insurance on a property. Do you get involved with that and managing that aspect of the property? Because um, oftentimes that could be like they have health and safety things as well that um, fall into that like lender bucket. Yes, absolutely. In fact, I'm dealing with that with a property right now where the insurance has come back. They want a couple of things, you know, that they want to make sure. So, for example, on a property that we've had for a couple of years, they have a fireplace and it's a wood fireplace. But, you know, times have changed. And so the insurance required a carbon monoxide detector. I don't know why, but it wasn't, they're not gas, they're wood. But that's okay. We're like, Fine, we'll be in compliance. So they required that and we had to get those installed, show where we installed them, we purchased them, had to send them proof of it. What I do is I create a tracker. So I have two trackers that I use. One is a unit tracker and basically that is every time we put something tangible in a unit. 
when we replace a dishwasher, I go through the financials every month and I look to see what have we done on the asset as far as tangibles in the unit. So if we've replaced the dishwasher in unit eight, I have a tracker that has the unit eight and I say, you know, in June of 2023, we put in a white dishwasher and we just keep track of all of that. It helps us to know where our money's going so we can tell mm -hmm. our investors we invested, you know, $34,000 this year in upgrades in the units. They like knowing what we're doing because they want the residents to be happy. We want them to enjoy living there. So I have a unit tracker where I keep track of that. And then I have, I call it my CapEx tracker. And so what that is, is that keeps track of what the lender requires, also what the insurance requires, and then what we have decided as a GP that we're going to do for CapEx. It could be landscaping, it could be painting, you know, any of those things that we've decided to help value add, we're going to increase the value of the property. And I keep track of that. So I just have different tabs at the bottom, but actually I have one tracker that tells me this month, this is what we need to do, whether it's the lender, the GP or the insurance so that I make sure I hit those benchmarks. But yes, I'm involved in any expense that any expense that the property takes on. My background is in accounting and I focused on small businesses. If you think about it, a small business has income and expenses and its own idiosyncrasies. Mm -hmm. Same thing with a property. It has its own revenue. It has its own expenses. So it's very, very similar. And I just want to make sure every month that we are satisfying, you know, whatever we've decided as a goal, as a team or the lender or the insurance. Cindy, when you're, you were talking about changing back and forth with that time that you changed property management, could you kind of talk about how you were able to transition that? Did that, did that affect the performance overall? Because I know it's, it's long-term. It's not, uh, you know, we go into this as a long-term investment for the length of the business plan. Um, how did that affect the property? How smooth of a transaction do you, do you let your investors know when you're going to be changing property management? Uh, could you touch on that a little bit? Sure. Um, actually, we don't really let anyone know. <laughs> um, because, I mean, why would you replace a property management company? Uh, they're not performing. So you've had, you've had several instances where things, you're not comfortable with things. So basically uh, what we do is we don't really tell anyone the asset management team knows it's happening and the GP knows it's happening, but it's been something that's been in the works for, I would say probably six weeks before it actually happens. I suppose there would be a time when it would be like an emergency. I don't know, but for the one that we did, it was about six weeks. We just knew that it wasn't a good fit for us. And so mm -hmm. we just got everything lined up. So we had the other property management company lined up. They had the information. I had been working with them on the budget and what they what their plan was, you know, their their vision for the property. And then I physically went to it and I was there and just talked with the the on site and just said, you know, we're we're gonna switch property management companies. And but prior to that, like the day or so before, we had made sure all the funds were secure, uh, which the syndication, the investor's money, that's a whole different, that has nothing to do with the property management, but we do give them a startup amount 
So we want to make sure that that's all that we have that. And, um, that's a smooth transition financially. We don't want to lose money in that. And it is a little bit difficult. Um, and I suppose, I mean, it's not a secret. I mean, we would probably tell the investors if they ask, but if they're not performing, then it's our job as an asset manager to say to the GP, I don't think this is really a good fit. Uh, I've talked to a couple other ones and this is what we think we can do. And of course you do everything, you know, under the direction of the GP, you don't do it on your own. So you they, they know what's been going on and they know what's going to happen. But it was a, it was actually very smooth. And within 90 days, property was singing, which is what we wanted. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's very important that you notice that. And um, you mentioned that you keep uh, do a unit tracker and whatnot. Um, and of course, I'm not sure if some of our listeners know, but a property management company, they typically have their own software that they're using to collect rents and all that. And you as the asset manager, do you use a particular software or how do you keep track of not only your particular units you use a software for that? And um, what other are, what are some of the other key metrics? Sorry, it's like a twofold question. <laughs> I'm just wondering what other are the key metrics or the key things, the numbers that you look for, like if that are out of whack, like what, what is it that tells you things are not working? Okay. So the first one was about the software. Yeah. So my unit tracker is basically an Excel spreadsheet. So that's not any software. That's just something my husband's super good at Excel. <laughs> so I said, I need this, this, and this, and voila, he did it. <laughs> So don't ask me how to do it because I don't know. It takes care of that. But it works beautiful because I'm able to know how much money we have put into each unit. You can ask me about any unit and I can tell you this is how much we put in it. And these are the you know, appliances, flooring, whatever, and when we did it. But as far as software, what I do use, I use Lobby CRE and that is a dashboard. So property management companies use different software. So they'll use RealPage or Yardi or Entrada or Resmin. And so what Lobby does is Lobby taps into the top seven and it, I have my own dashboard. So I'm able to, I don't have to learn all of these different right. uh, mm -hmm. softwares to be able to extract the information that I need. So what I require every week from the property management is an MMR, which is a Monday morning report or a war report, which is a weekly activity report. That's kind of an overview. And then they send me reports out of their software to back it up. So I get those every week, but then I have my own dashboard, which is through lobby. And so I set up my key, uh, the key uh, performance indicators. So that's the second part of the question. So what I do is I'll go in and I will look at the underwriting so we have a property that we set a 9% vacancy. So Lobby does it in real time. So I, today I was on there with, uh, I had several uh, GP calls this morning. So we looked at each property and I know what the matrix is for, for example, vacancy on this one particular property, 9%. So I know that if we are above or below or right on, I'll know where we are. So I'll go through and I'll look at the underwriting and then I set the matrix for whatever the underwriting, that's the business plan, what they're looking at and how close are we to running that. So I'll know how much are we looking for our annual income and where are we in that? Are we close to where we need to be? 
uh, and if we're, you know, high or low. One of the things that I look at every month are the financials. So the property management company supplies those to me, although I have them on lobby as well. But I'm a paper person, so uh, I'm learning to get better with electronics. But I like to actually look at the financials and they'll will have for the month what was the income and what was the expenses. It will be next to the budget. So that's what we have agreed upon looking at the business plan, working with the property management, what is the budget? And then I'll have a variance. So variance could, it doesn't, it's not good or bad. When you see a variance, what that is, is I have a question. I have a question to ask. So that's what it is. For example, I was talking today with a GP and our maintenance has a variance. It is high. So when we're looking at it, we can say, oh my gosh, we have overpaid on maintenance salary. It's a payroll question. We've overpaid. Not necessarily. It's a variance. So I talked with the property management and I'm like, let's talk about this. It's been consistently for the last three months. What, what's happening? Well, we're having some vacancies and we are using our maintenance to help with the turns. These are not units that need to be upgraded. These are units that they need to be painted that things need to be done. And so he's doing the maintenance on the turns, but he's also taking care of the HVAC issues. I don't know if you guys know this, I live in Arizona. Air conditioning is super important to me. And so, you know, the properties we have are in Kentucky, Mississippi, and Texas. And I think air conditioning is really important to them. And so he's not only, you know, preparing units for new residents, he's making sure that HVAC's working and he's been dealing with some plumbing. So when we talked, it was like, well, we've paid overtime to him. So then the question is, paying him overtime, is that cheaper than outsourcing it? Is it cheaper than having an air conditioning company come and service the units? Yes, it is. So it's one of those things that you have to kind of dig into as the asset manager. When you, anytime you have a variance, all that means is I have a question. I just need to understand, and it doesn't make it right or wrong but it lets me know where are we spending our money and I'm watching the numbers. It's good for the property management to, totally. to ask those questions because then they know you're watching it and they understand it's not accusatory. It's like, I just need to understand. And then they know that you really are working with them. It's like, okay, I understand. This is what it is. Great system. Great. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So, uh, Cindy, could you touch real quick, since the majority of our audience are passive investors that invest in, you know, our deals, um, what exactly can they expect from an asset manager and how often will they receive that information from you or passed from you through the GP, however that, you know, works? Yeah, so I don't talk to the investors directly. That's not my job. My job is to watch the numbers, but I do supply the GP once a month. A report so we will do a newsletter so that's uh, someone that has been attending the property management calls so they mm -hmm. kind of know what's going on at the property and they'll create a newsletter um, you know we we do events at our properties every month so there's two different events that we do one is the word P like a, something that starts with a P and pay so we'll do pizza and pay or popcorn and pay or popsicles and pay and basically, we'll do that the day before or the day of 
the day before they would receive a late fee. So we want them to come into the office, make sure they're paid, we can avoid the late fee, and they can take a piece of pizza or a bag of popcorn or this time of year, a popsicle. Um, (laughs) And if they've already paid, if they're paying it online, that's fine. We just want them to come in. Come in, talk to the on-site, let us know. If there's any issues going on, let us know about that, but take something with you. Mm -hmm. So we do that every month, and sometimes we pay for it, you know, out of the operating, but oftentimes we'll ask vendors, hey, you know, you want to, you want to sponsor our pizza and pay? And so they'll, they'll sponsor it. Um, The other thing we do is some sort of event that invites all the residents to come. So Mm -hmm. I know uh, last month, they, one of the um, properties did a Sunday bar. So they had different types of ice cream, different toppings, and it was like, come. We had one, with it being the 4th of July, they did a pool party and a barbecue. We got vendors to donate uh, gift cards to go buy the food. So we had food there. Um, We did an Easter egg hunt at one of the properties. They did like 400 eggs. They filled them with little treats and, you know, the kids got all the eggs and they had a barbecue and all of that was paid for by a sponsor. So that's one thing that you're, but we want our investors to know this is what's going on. We want to create a sense of community because when people live somewhere where they feel like they're a part of it, they typically stay. And that's what we want. We want people to feel like where they're living is a very safe, secure, beautiful place to live. So we work on the inside and the outside, and then we also want to create a sense of community. And we do that through events. So we have typically two a month. Did I answer your question? All of a sudden, I'm not sure I answered it. (laughs) Yeah, you did. (laughs) Good. Good. I think investors are uh, more likely to well, it just make you feel good that you have an investment that's also making an impact as well in other people's lives. Because the sense of community, um, you know, it's one thing about raising rents and, and providing, you know, just your, your tangible, oh, look, we have a new dishwasher or we have new flooring. But the sense of community, that that's something that people can get, they gain their priceless opportunities and memories that they receive from that. So knowing that investors are going into a place that's actually creating community in addition to providing clean, safe housing. I mean, that, that's just a beautiful thing. It makes you feel good when you think about the property that you are investing in. Yeah, absolutely. And we, so at the beginning of the summer, we contacted the schools and said, hey, are you going to offer lunches? Because some schools will offer a lunch, uh, you know, to the kids. Uh, but this particular one, they did the year before, but not this year. But we contacted them. We are actively looking for ways to support the community. And so we contacted them and said, hey, we would like our complex to be a place that you drop off lunches. We have a community room. You know, we can facilitate the kids coming and eating. And unfortunately, they weren't doing it this year. But we look for those opportunities. We also, we will be... Um, Uh, boosters of like the sports. So one town Mm -hmm. that we have uh, several properties in has two high schools. So we will do a banner on the sports field, you know, just, you know, so we're giving money to the schools and we get some advertising out of it. It's good marketing money because people are looking for places to live and they know that we're supporting Mm -hmm. the school. So it's just, it's really important. I think that you do find ways that you can be a part of the community. One of the things that I was trying to get was um, 
for the summer was like a, I don't know what they call it, like a bookmobile, like where they come and they oh, have yeah. books okay. and the kids can check out books. They thought yeah. I was crazy, but I have seen it at other properties and they didn't offer it this year, but that's something I'm going to keep asking. I think the kids need to be able to read in the summer. So we we're talking about maybe we'll do a little library, you know, where you can leave the book and take a book and we'll just see, right. but we're always looking for ways to you know help our residents and also to create that sense of community within the apartment complex and then also the exterior community where we're part of the town we want to support those people the, so the free libraries are, are great actually the town that i live in and some of the surrounding towns there's a lot of them um, different people will put them up that live on main streets and it's just a nice mm -hmm. box with a window and, you just fill them up with books and people will come and take books and return them. And it's just that free library. And I think that's super, super great idea for large um, apartment buildings. I think that's so cute. And I'm putting that nugget in my, <laughs> in my basket. That's a really good one. And the sense of community, I think it also helps people take care of the area of the surroundings. Like you, when you're connected, you care more and you'll take, you'll keep it cleaner. And, um, it's just, it's really smart that you go after the families. That's a good environment and whatnot. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what we want. We want to be able to help those people that want a place to live. So, yeah. Cindy, I'll put this little bug in your ear for that. Because one of the big things for me is to be able to bring, um, you know, music and the arts um, into the communities as well. Because um, I am an artist and I, and, you know, it's one of the things that's being eliminated from the schools pretty quickly. One of the things that um, whenever we're getting ready to put an offer in, I'm contacting the local chamber of commerce and I'm always talking to someone there to see what the community needs, if they would be interested in, or if they have um, an arts community that would like to do um, mural paintings and in interiors or, or, um, you know, put art on, you know, loan for the apartment buildings. Um, one just recently, we were just about to put an offer in on um, the landscaping because it is in Nevada. It's too hot to do any kind of landscaping. And I thought, this is perfect as a sculpture park. So, yes. you know, I got a call into the um, arts community, um, different councils to see what do they have, people that would like to install public art. Because if there's a place as an artist, if you have a place to put your, your, your art publicly, a lot of times you'll do it for free just to have it there. And then you can have like the pizza party, an opening for the artists. So just putting that bug in there because I love to support the arts. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I think that's great. We have talked about uh, trying to offer tutoring at the, because two of the complexes are three, but two and three bedrooms. So there's lots of families. And so we have been working with the school to try and get some tutoring for math and English, but I hadn't thought about that. So thank you. I am going to look into that because we do work with the chamber. I will say that that's one of but we do it on that economic side. So that's part of my market survey is, you know, talking to the chamber, the economic drivers and, you know, what are the demographics and the, the growth? I had not tapped into that. So thank you. I came away with a nugget on that for sure. I'm going to check on that. Right. Okay. Nice. Well, Cindy, thank you so much for all of that. I think of uh, this has been a lot of value all of our, from all of our listeners and, um, knowing what to look for in an asset manager on the properties they're going to be investing in. But if any of our, um, our listeners wanted to reach out to you, how would they do that? How could they get a hold of you? So my email is high caliber asset management at Gmail. 
And I can also, I can send you my calendar and you can put it in the show notes if you want. And then people can just jump on my calendar. I'm always happy to talk with people, especially about asset management and the role that it plays in our investments. You know, years ago, real estate's changed years ago. You could buy a property and kind of roll along with it and it would take care of itself somewhat. And we don't have that luxury now. We really have to watch and, and make sure that we're hitting all of our benchmarks. And that's why we have them. If we fall mm -hmm. short, we can course correct before we get to the end of the year and be like, oh my gosh, we've missed the mark. So yeah. every month we check it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, before we do wrap up here, we always like to end each podcast with like a super fun, thought provoking quote of the day. Um, and Tamara here, she has these awesome quote cards and she'll have three of them. And if you could choose a number between one through three, that will choose which quote we have. And then we just like to chat on that quote because, you know, mindset is a super important thing to us uh, here at the Real Estate Woman. So we just like to hear the quote and uh, just chat about what it brings up for everybody. Okay. I have two boys, so I'll say two. <laughs> Lucky number two. So today's quote is, it's better to look ahead and prepare than to look back and regret. And that's from Jackie uh, Kiersey. Uh, that's why we have benchmarks. <laughs> because we don't want to look back at the end of the year and say we didn't need our prep. <laughs> That's my two cents. There you go. There you go. That, that's that's pretty perfect. You know, I, and I think not only should people do that for things like should you take you taking care of that for things like properties. I think when people set goals in life, it's really easy. You know, people sometimes set like a New Year's goal, a New Year's resolution, like oh, I want to. I want to lose this amount of weight. And then, you know, sometimes the next thing you know, it's December 31st and the, oops, I, I've completely forgot about this. I think that makes me realize like, hmm, maybe if we all remember to prepare a little bit each month and, um, uh -huh. you know, check in on our goals, we won't regret it at, uh, on December 31st. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. There's a book called The 12-Week Year. <laughs> Have you guys heard of that book, The 12-Week Year? No. Where instead of doing... Um, Instead of having your goal for the year, and companies are really uh, kind of fall into this where the fourth, the top of the fourth quarter, they're like, oh my gosh, are we going to hit, you know, our matrix? Right. So they have a big push the last three months. And so this book is called the 12 week year. So basically, instead of having a whole year, you have 12 weeks, you have a quarter. And that helps you because you set smaller goals, but achievable, and you don't wait until October and like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? So it's the 12 week year. I actually did a book club on it. It was such a good, such a good read. And it really breaks it out for you and helps you really, when you can define your goal, you can achieve it. If it's not really defined, sometimes we miss the mark. Awesome. It probably makes you feel like more accomplished too. Like you get yeah. so much more, like, I, you know, if it's too far out, then it's, feels unattainable. So uh -huh. yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. You took the words right out of my mouth, Tamara. <laughs> I just it's available on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting that book. I'm excited because I finished I finished um, my last book, so I'm I'm getting this one. Yeah. Then it has a workbook you can buy with it. So it's oh. great. 
Well, I guess uh, we're probably running out of time here, but um, we want to thank you, Cindy. That was a lot of great information on asset management, and I'm sure our listeners picked up a lot of great knowledge on all that you do to help, you know, I guess a property run, basically. Um, you're behind it all. <laughs> um, and we also just wanted to say thank you to our listeners for joining us today. If you want to learn more about us, you can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, or visit our website at therealestatewomen.com. Thank, Thank you, you so much for having me. Thank I you. really appreciate Thank you it. Here. Thank you. No worries. Okay. Bye. 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 The information contained in this podcast is for educational purposes only. We are not licensed professionals and do not give investment advice, tax advice, or other professional advice. Please consult a licensed professional before making any financial decisions.